Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name's Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode 228. We're diverting from the comfort of commodity markets today to bring you a conversation with our good friend David Cornish, Director of Agribusiness at Marcus Oldham Agricultural College, all about leadership. Whether it's on your farm or at a representative level, we're going to hear what it takes to be a leader in agriculture. We have recorded this episode a little bit earlier this week, so we'll jump straight into the podcast today and be back with our normal market wrap next week. Enjoy it, and I'll leave you with Robert Herman and David Cornish. David Cornish, welcome back to Commodity Conversations, and um, it's wonderful to be talking again. Normally, we talk about, um, you and I talk about big issues, and today I think we're going to stick with that theme. Um, Great to have you on board, mate. Thanks, Rob. And uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's it's obviously an issue that's very close to my heart and something that I've taken up with passion since I've joined Marcus Oldham. So we're going to talk about um, leadership in agriculture today. And uh, in doing a little bit of background on this, David, I the thing that I kept coming back to was that agriculture has some really big, lofty objectives, and rightly so. Um, the NFF, you know, set out outlined their hundred billion by twenty thirty, and and of course, then we saw the government coming behind that really strongly and support it. But if you're going to get to those sort of things, you're going to need strong, smart, passionate, uh, motivated leaders. What what have you got to say about that? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Rob. And the, and the first thing I, I it concerns me a bit when we talk about leadership is this concept is that we need leaders. In other words, there's something that we can unpackage and and we roll out onto the stage and that's our leader. Um, what I what I've sort of come to realise over my executive journey and 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 also since teaching and studying this is that I think if we continue to do that, then we're never going to have leadership. And I think that comes back to the concept around what is leadership. And the first thing uh, I would argue is that leadership should never be used as a noun, as in leaders, but as a verb, uh, leadership. So what we do as individuals all along the supply chain, all along um, as individuals is what leadership should characteristics we should be looking at. So should be things that we're looking for or ways that we behave or way we engage as individuals, um, as ourselves, um, not just looking at what is NFF going to do about this or what is some uh, council going to do about that? Because if we do that, we're, we're leaving this up to too few. And the reality is great organisations have leadership from top to bottom. It's not just one person. I think that's a really good point. I, I would just throw back to you though, David, that, you know, sometimes there are people who, um, you know, have got uh, um, have got things to contribute in this space and, and call it leadership or call it whatever you like. But sometimes it's hard to get it out in an organisation. So, are you saying the organisations have to create the space and the and the room for this to happen? Uh, more importantly, than in um, in grabbing people and, and promoting them as leaders. Yeah, and again, there's a couple of things here. Absolutely right, Rob culture of an organization that that values leadership is what's going to promote leadership now we keep on talking about leadership um and the reason we do is that there's been a lot of 
work done in this research and Deloitte did a research of senior executives across the world a couple of years ago. And they basically, three quarters of them said their number one issue with regards to improving performance is around leadership, creating leadership at all levels so that their business can perform better. Now that's not just agriculture, but I think it reflects these concepts or these, these, these things that we need to do that we bucket under leadership is important for the success of a business today, as well as a industry and in agriculture is no difference to any other industry that these leadership traits or skills are important. And we need to create an environment where people are able to step up and, and actually have a go at leadership. Yeah, look, and that's, um, that, that's a really interesting way to look at it, David. And I think, I think you're right. Um, but there must be personal traits that people need to work on or need to have because not everyone's going to be a leader, you know. The old, um, you know, chiefs and Indians, David. We need a few. We need. We need everybody. Okay, I'm going to challenge you on that one, mate. And, and what I'm going to say here is that there's an old adage where people say um, leaders are born or leaders made. Um, and the reality is that's the wrong question to be asking because, as someone said, I've never seen a leader who hasn't been born. I mean, until we've got robots leading us, um, everyone is born. The question should be, can leadership skills be taught and learnt and honed and improved? Um, or is it just something that is innate in the person who they are? And certainly one of my main drivers of the Marcus Oldham leadership course is that leadership skills are like any other skill. They can be taught. They can be learned. They can be honed. And we can be as good a leader as possible. Now, we're all going to be we're all going to be, I mean, I can learn to kick a footy. I'm never going to play AFL, unfortunately. Okay. I'm probably a bit old for that now, but anyway, leave that to one side, but I can learn to kick that footy as well as I can and be as good as I can for the, for the skill level that I've got. Now, what I would argue is that we're not doing that. We're not training our team members to be as good a leader, leaders as they can. We're not focusing on those skill sets. And I think, especially in today's day and age where industry environments, work environments change so quickly, just remember COVID, that the, the ability to engage in leadership activities is important whether you are um, just drenching sheep or whether you're actually managing a multi-billion dollar operation. Yeah, and look, I, I, can't, I can't argue with you there, but I do think there are, there's no doubt there are some people who have a real aptitude to rise further up and and I, and I guess your point is that you can be leading at whatever level you're at and if you're uh, and if you're kicking the football David I'm not even getting you in the cast and reserve side at the moment but if you think you can be a leader from wherever you are in the football field I'll go along with that however there will be people who have far more ambition than where they're there, there are at the moment and and we know a lot of people you and I know a lot of people who started off quite in, in quite um modest areas or for, you know possibly most quite modest areas in agriculture but they did you know drag themselves through the the system and up into strong leadership roles and if you look at some of the people leading our industries now that would be the case Yep. Yeah. And again, we, we, we're we very lucky that at, at one of our leadership dinners, we had uh, Fiona Simpson come and talk to us. And uh, it was really interesting, her journey to how she got to the president of the NFF. Um, 
And I think, you know, if I look for leadership traits, well, I think she's a pretty good example of what strong leadership traits about. And it's not always being the the strongest voice or the loudest voice or the, 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 the toughest, or it's just actually that ability to bring a team together and actually go forward for a goal. Now, what we talk about is a couple of things. We talk about um, creating a shared vision is really important and that requires certain skill sets. If you don't have a, a shared vision within a team or within an industry, you're not going to get direction. And the other one that we talk about is this concept about modeling the way. When we talk about modeling the way is that, especially today with social media, you can see through someone very quickly. They can say what they like, but we're going to judge people by what they do. And there's a classic um, quote about you set the standard by which you walk past. So if you're not, if you're saying something and doing something else, you're very quickly going to lose the team and what they stand for. Um, and that's very important as a stepping stone to good leadership. So I, I argue if you go back on those people you're talking about, yes, they have to be motivated. Absolutely. But what's made them better leaders is their ability to actually encompass those, those traits or strengths or whatever you want to talk to them, but that, that allows people to come with them. Not and whether that's a follower, but they're still coming with them. There's something that they see that is worth the struggle. And we talk about the struggle for change. So one of the challenges for people who who start to begin to understand this concept that you just outlined, David, is finding the room to to move. And sometimes we'll see people leave an organization that, you know, after they've sort of started to look at um, their leadership roles and, and don't see the opportunities. What are some of the things that you'd suggest people do in that in that situation? Well, it depends which people you're talking about. Is it the people who are, who own the organisation or manage the organisation? Well, they've got to create a hierarchical structure, and there's a difference between hierarchical leadership and leadership, as I would talk it, because just because you're a manager or even a CEO of a business, you might not be portraying leadership traits. You've got that position because of 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 your position. You still have to show leadership. Okay, so you might be a good manager, but leadership is, as I say, about creating that shared vision and and modelling the way and those type of things. Um, so what they have to do is start doing that. Engage people to come on the journey. And one of the things that I did when I was even working at a um, middle tier level with a certain financial organization. I was up on my own, uh, up in Moree was take my team away and just create what type of business do we want to be? Okay. So I allowed my team to have involvement in that. Then we created standards and my job as the coach was to manage those standards and allow people to be go to be the best they can be. Okay. But there was still this room saying, but to be good business, we have to achieve that. So you've got to play your role. Um, and what I'm there to do is make certain that we can achieve that. Now, let's go back to the other person who's feeling frustrated about not being able to do that. Um, listen, it, it can be quite difficult and that's a really hard position. I mean, obviously you can engage with the, the company with you or the organization you're with, but it can, if you continue to hit brick walls, you continue to not see what they're trying to do, that's what you're going to do. You're going to become frustrated and, and you're either going to leave or you're going to go elsewhere or you're going to, you're just going to give up. 
And I think we've seen a bit of that in certainly some of our, our federations where people have become disengaged with the organizations. And I would call one of the worrying things that I saw very early in on this was that people who I considered some of the best farmers I've ever dealt with not engage with the farmer organizations. And I would argue that the, what the farmer organizations have to do is think about how do we re-engage in that? Why are we not appealing to the people who are generating probably 100% of our profit, if not 80% of our product? And it is a, it is a difficult one because the, the type of people we're talking about here who are, you know, starting to embark on this journey or build their role in this space of leadership um, are generally younger and they're all different you know, all different types of personalities. You know, you will have the very confident, um, you know, the very confident young bloke in the hotted up Ford Ute, and you will have the quieter, more reserved, um, thoughtful, you know, not interrupt people um, type of person. Both of them, you know, could easily have the uh, the right attributes and the right um, uh, skills to go into higher leadership roles um if they're given the choice but everybody's different aren't they yeah and and the reality is in in some of the things the the processes we go through in the week week course is that those people that are often the quietest um the more sought for more considered actually have naturally the better leadership skills because they've learned to listen so they they you talk about the steve covey seek to understand so you can be understood they're very good at being empathetic. They're very good at understanding what's going on with the room. So as a leader, uh, what I would argue is your role is to actually identify those people and give them the opportunity to express what they're doing. Now, with confidence, they'll become more important part of the team. Um, again, I was very lucky to do the Australian Rural Leadership Program some years ago, and and we, we sort of dumped in the middle of nowhere. And, and of course, we can't say what we did. It's like the mousetrap. We can't talk about it. Um, but what came out of that was those people who were often, let's call them the alpha males, running around like gorillas at the start, telling people to do left this and do right, quickly burnt out, quickly lost, um, basically lost their position in, in, in the team because they, they actually weren't sitting down there and bringing the team with them. And then you saw the real leaders actually emerge over time. So... What I found was fascinating is those by the end of the week, those people were was were the successful leaders, were the people that were leading the team because they weren't telling people what to do. They were working with people to create that shared vision. Now I'm speaking to David Cornish today from Marcus Oldham, and it's and it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Commodity Conversations, David. How we how I got to thinking about this topic at this point in time is um we're seeing that uh, the Marcus Oldham Rural Leadership Program is coming up in May again, and uh, it's been an amazing, successful, successful program. Even just to be, to, if you just look at its longevity, just tell us a little bit about it, David. How does it? How what's it been doing? How long's it been going? Who and what type of people go there? Um, what's the story? Yeah, so it's 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 been going for over thirty years, Robert, and um, and. Uh, We've we considered it one of the longest longest running uh, agricultural leadership courses. Um, the people and, and the great thing about it is the diversity of people. We we 
strive to have a, a, a good cross-section of people from different industries, from different ages, from different gender, um, just so that we believe that that results in a better outcome for the, the cohort that go through. And they create a fabulous network um, from that. And you'll have people there from the bee industry, from the dairy industry, from the pastoral industries, from uh, departments, from banks. Um, and what we find is that, that the, the, the divergence of, of opinions creates a better outcome or be, better for, for the week. And so we basically put them in a, in a room and it's a pretty solid week. But what we do is we go through some of the concepts we've already talked about on leadership and we give the opportunity to be very hands-on because obviously people who work in agriculture don't like to sit in rooms for very long. And so we try and make it very activity-based. But hopefully by the end of it, we, they've had a really good week and opportunity to actually reflect on what leadership is, understand what leadership can be, and then think about how they can go out and back into their their communities or their industries and build on the leadership skills that they've already got. Now, the beauty is people who are coming to this leadership course to start off with obviously have a passion about leadership. So we've got a pretty good um, uh, group to start with. Yes, and um, it has been going over 30 years, David, because I think it's exactly 30 years ago since I attended. And I won't pretend that I remember everything that happened at the course, but I do remember the diversity of people that were there. And there were people, I can remember there were people from the National Party, there were people from banks, the grains industry, etc. What What sort of outcomes are they, if someone thinking about this and thinking about enrolling for next year, what sort of outcomes are they likely to um, anticipate coming as a result of attending that course? Yeah, well, the first thing is obviously what we're trying to create is appreci appreciation of the demands of leadership within the current agribusiness environment. So, you know, you've got to be aware of what you're getting into. We talk about some fundamental skills and practices that we've seen from successful leaders, and we think about how we might be able to apply that to ourselves. Now, we're not trying to create a, a cookie-cutter type leader, but here are some skill sets that you need to think about how you actually apply that back in, into your business. Uh, we talk about the understanding of your own strengths and weaknesses and, and think about putting together a development plan um, that it will support you in your personal leadership call, uh, journey, because we believe that they're, they're very individualistic. We're not, we're all looking for leadership in different formats in different ways and how we're going to apply it back into the business. And certainly last, but certainly not least is, is the ag related network that you create that go on past doing the leadership course. And I would argue, um, that that's probably one of the most powerful things you get out of these people across Australia. And we get people from around Australia, from Northern Territory, Tasmania, Queensland, Western Australia, who, who attend, that then gives you that network that you can reflect on your leadership journey as you go on. Because anything that you're going to do, you're going to have some successes and you're going to have some fails and you're going to stumble. What we try to do is create that network that allows you to um, debrief when things don't quite go the right way, uh, which they do, and work out how we actually dust ourselves off and keep on going. So there will be some um, focus on some of their, their 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 expectations and their understandings of what's going to happen there, David. Um, and I guess that, and I'm thinking back as well, I mean, some of those things can be quite challenging on a personal level. Yeah, very much so. We have three full-time facilitators that are working within the crew and we try and keep the numbers below 38 
for that very reason, that we can make it a very personal one-on-one and you have the opportunity to at any time debrief or um, discuss issues that, that you might find confronting because sometimes in what happens is is it's not unexpected that some personal issues might come up that, that, that has been triggered by some of the discussions. Because we look at some things like we, we we're obviously uh, very concerned about issues such as mental health um, and because we think as leaders in agriculture, it's something that we should be doing something about. Um, now, we don't tell people to do something about it, but we certainly give them the opportunity to discuss this. We have a professional facilitator to come, come in who, to talk about mental health and we then say, okay, what do we take out of that? Um, so we then give the opportunity for people to feel, I suppose, in a safe, secure environment to sort of debrief that or de, de, deconstruct it so that we can work through any issues anyone might have. So, David, the the course has been going for quite some time and there is a fee attached to um, to attending the course, but you have had some really strong support over the years, both financially and in terms of people sending their their um, their staff and uh, and members through. Australian Beef Industry Foundation has been a strong supporter of, of, of Marcus Oldham for some time, and they send five people. We have the Royal Agricultural Society of Queensland will send people down. We have the Avaris uh, Society of Australia also send people. We have uh, a good linkage in with uh, Tasmanian women and Tasmanian youth. So, yeah, there's a, there's a number of groups, and I've probably forgotten some there, Robert, off the top of my head, but... Yeah, it, it is. It is being very strongly supported. CPC sends some of their team members along. So as you can see, just in those names, we have a, a diversity of people coming. And I see on the I've, I've noticed right from the start, certainly when I was there, that the National Bank have been really strong in their support as well. Dave. Yeah, apparently we're one of the longest sponsorships I've had. But yeah, we, we're very lucky to have NAB involved in both sending two, but also they sponsor the, the what we call the leadership dinner on the Thursday night who we get a, a significant person along to talk about their leadership or leadership journey. Well, look, David, um, it's a great topic and I'm, I'm really pleased we've had a chance to chat about it. Um, I know that there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of people thinking about setting up um, opportunities for people to, um, you know, build their leadership skills and, and enhance their profile. But uh Marcus Oldham has got the runs on the board by having this and and, and it sets a great example. So I'm sure that um, that you enjoy it because it sounds like you enjoy it. Um, I wish you all the best. And, uh, and look, I'd encourage anybody who's thinking about um, looking for some uh, self-improvement or call it what you like, have a look on the Marcus Oldham website. Um, you can see the program. It's, it's too late to enter for this year, but uh, if you're interested, you need to get in early for next year. So, David, uh, how's that sound? The applications open on the 1st of July, mate, but uh, thank you for that. But, uh, yeah, it is a great week, and I know that everyone gets a lot out of it, and certainly it's one of my highlights of the year. Thanks a lot. Thanks, David Cornish. Thank you to listening for Commodity Conversations, and we'll talk to you all again next week.